Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground, presented by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hello. And welcome back to David. Hello. It's, welcome uh, back to David. That's this right. This is my show now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's probably been about a year since you've been on. Close to, I think so. I guess, <clears throat> like I was telling you, I kind of dropped out of Star Wars... I wasn't up to date with everything, and, and but now I'm I'm back and, and ready to talk about some stuff. And I've had fun on the other podcast though, where I can actually contribute a good bit. I think talk about but, um, all of the things. Oh yeah, the the new the new yeah. show. If you haven't checked out our new show, it's the Science Fictionary Podcast. It's a little bit more free form of a podcast than this one. Pretty much anything sci-fi, fantasy comic books, action adventure, it's all fair game and we're doing a lot of Star Trek right now. Uh, eventually we'll move into doing some more stuff, uh, Stargate, Firefly, X-Files. It's kind of all fair game. So if you if you're fans of any of that stuff, check out the other show. David, have you been watching the new Clone Wars episodes? I uh, I have been watching. I don't think I I don't think I watched the um the the last couple though actually i've been backed up but i, I did watch i watched the bad bunch stuff okay, okay the all, all the bad bunch yes all right so we got uh bad batch and we really haven't bad had batch, a, right. we haven't really haven't taken a lot of opportunity to talk about Mm-mm. that so i think for starters i was really hoping daniel was going to be on cuz i know he's been excited about this season uh, but just general thoughts, like we're just going to, I guess we'll talk about the first four episodes, uh, which is the first arc of the first half of the season, the bad batch, which we had seen before. I mean, it was all available mm-hmm. in animatics right? and has been for years, but they did make some changes. They, they changed some, made some tweaks, um, just because time had passed and they weren't really fleshed out. I mean, stories change as you finish mm-hmm. up and and so Filoni you know kind of made some of the changes I, some people were upset the old shot of the nose art that the bad batch had of Padme on their ship that Anakin was so unhappy about in the old animatic right um I don't know if you're familiar with that or not David I I never watched the uh the old I mean I've seen pictures of it to just for like a reference, but I never watched it while it was available like okay. that, so no. And and Filoni explained, and I, I think that they made the right choice. I mean, a lot of people really upset about the removal of that shot, and I can see that, but I think what uh, Dave really said about it was like, you know, we had, we were coming back, we were doing these last eight episodes, but Padme was absent from from the story, and he thought it was more meaningful to remove that clip and to place in the clip of Padme and Anakin talking and, you know, talking via Mm -hmm. hollow Mm -hmm. and for the story, he's right. It absolutely was more important to the story to have that clip of them talking, you know, Padme's clearly, clearly pregnant in the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, she's she's wearing the dress that she wears to Mustafar. Yeah. At, at the end of, of uh, Revenge of the Sith. So overall, story-wise, they made the right choice. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like the whole thing, the clip. You can find just the clip about the nose art, David. Basically, you know, Anakin sees the nose art on the ship 
And, mm-hmm. he, you know, and so he, and he sees it and he looks at Rex and says, that is definitely not staying, <laughs> which I think is this, I think is a really funny kind of meta joke now that in the animatic, Anakin references and sees it and says, that's definitely not, not staying. staying. And, then, it and then it's, you know, now it's, it's gone. Like it's right. not there. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely did not stay. That's, that's really funny. I did not know about that, but that is, that's hilarious. So I think they made the right story notes, but just overall, what have, what were y'all's thoughts on the finished product of the Bad Batch? I I think overall, not even just from the um the animatics that they improved. Like you can, if you look at uh like side by side what the show looked like mm-hmm. in previous seasons versus now, the quality of the animation is just like through the roof. Yep. Um, it looks incredible. It's it's probably the best looking animation uh, that we've had in a Star Wars show, um, at least in my opinion. I, I think it's a lot of, I think it's just really nice to look at and and flows a lot smoother than than previous. And I I never mm-hmm. dislike the animation of the Clone Wars and Rebels, but it's a very different kind of thing. And and mm-hmm. it felt it always felt weird to watch it to me. It took some getting used to, but this just I was able to jump right into it. Yeah. So it looks great. Um, I think that the writing is, I mean, I think it's all, it's just, I love how it's right back at it, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and jumps you right back into it and, and making a a really fun show that people loved and what a great thing to bring it back. And I thought the story was fun. I liked the idea of the bad batch is great because it's, I like, I like them exploring stuff. The, one of my favorite parts of the entire clone wars show was exploring the clones yeah, and and who they were because they never really did that in the movies. Yeah, exactly. They just didn't have time. Right. And we so just had a couple of this, names. I'm sorry. We what? just got a couple of names in the movie. Right. We just got a couple of names. Right. It's like, oh, there's Cody. Exactly. But like, what does that mean? And and just mm-hmm. this is not really really the bad batch, but like, if when you watch the Clone Wars and you actually know Cody, it makes his betrayal of Obi Wan later like that much. Yeah. You know hard hard hitting and right. makes a really interesting character so i really loved the show and what they're doing i like i like how it's just tying straight into into episode three yep when all is said and done i there's when all when when all is said and done with the season i'm sure there's going to be tons of articles all about the order to watch the movie like watch the first 15 minutes of the movie then you watch episode one and then mm-hmm. you watch the next 15 minutes of the movie and yeah that's going to be it just i love them throwing in stuff like that and and yeah even now, in 2020, they're finding ways to change the way that we view these Star Wars stories. Mm-hmm. I just, I really enjoyed the aspects of having these clones who are not like the others. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it, it's because of it, they kind of carry this chip on their shoulder. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's the, they have a, a very different attitude right. than the rest of the clones. And I also love, I think my favorite thing about them at all is that they're named, that they're, they're, it's Clone Force 99, which of course is named for 99. I don't know if you remember, do you remember that he was a defective clone? That's right. Who was deemed not fit for service in the army. He was a janitor, basically. And he was a janitor. Yeah. And he's one of the ones responsible, I believe, the base he's located on is invaded right and he assists mm-hmm. in, in defending the base yeah 
and so but kind of becomes a hero of the the republic army you know clone army and so this this group of that named themselves after mm-hmm. after that clone so i mean I, I i feel like they kind of you know they kind of took some tropes i guess from i felt like they kind of pulled some things from the superhero genre in mm-hmm. some ways for the these clones i mean you got the one guy who's i mean it's um it's a little bit suicide squad yeah 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 you I know you see that definitely you know you got you've got these different clones that are you know mm-hmm. kind of have have those skill sets those very very um Records. pronounced yeah. characteristics about them mm-hmm. yeah uh, and, and yeah, you're right. It's a real trope that they're taking from, but I, I think it worked for this. Oh, it pretty did. Well, it did. Um, so, what were some of y'all's favorite moments from that from from this arc? From that first arc, because I I would say that the Bad Batch arc, the completed Bad Batch arc, is one of the best story arcs in all of the Clone Wars. I think that's fair. So far, yeah. As uh, in terms of like consecutive episodes. Mm-hmm. Going back to back and, and making one really good complete story. Yeah, and I, I know uh, there are some others. I mean, you know, I always go back to the Mortis arc mm-hmm. because I like the weirdness, the weird uh, mystical elements of the Force and all that. And mm-hmm. uh, so I know a lot of people don't feel that way about the Mortis arc. There are a lot of people that don't like the Mortis arc, but it's always been one of my favorites. And there, there are a lot of Yoda's arc towards the end of the mm-hmm. series was excellent. And there's a lot of good arcs, but this one is so well done for a you know multi-episode story yep. arc. We clearly had lots of time to marinate it and decide exactly what what he wanted it to, yeah, to look like. Yeah, that's the thing. He he had a few years to kind of mm-hmm. sit on it and, and decide exactly how he wanted to do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think when you're thinking about some of the best moments, uh, I think Anakin had some really interesting moments in this, and his you you sort of see him tiptoeing on mm. the dark side a bit more yeah yep. making his turn which is why i think it's gonna be gonna be great to watch this alongside revenge of the sith mm-hmm. i'm sure marisha is extremely excited for that marisha's very uh, excited about that yeah yeah because uh uh it, it it really fleshes out his um transformation and and seeing him slowly and that's i think that's been a, a part of the whole clone wars mm-hmm. obviously it's no secret that the best version of anakin is in the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, I think everyone could agree. Definitely, and it makes him a lot more likable uh, in the movies, just because when you factor in this and that this is all in canon, which is really nice. Watching yes. this and knowing that that this is one thing that is definitely definitely did happen. So I like seeing right. his little, you know, getting a little closer to the dark side. Yeah, and um, seeing his transformation a bit more naturally. Right. Well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, because we were talking about it at one point, you know, it's like I looked at Andrew, I was like, well, man, that was that was dark. And he was like, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Ahsoka was always kind of one of the things that was sort of there, you know, to kind of rein him in a little bit. You know, uh, it was Obi-Wan. And then once he wasn't Obi-Wan's Padawan anymore, wasn't he, you know, he wasn't didn't have that constant companion. Then he had Ahsoka and Ahsoka was kind of his jiminy cricket and and now that she's mm-hmm. gone he's just yeah he's he's on Un, on un, unhinged he is he's a little unhinged yeah yeah 
That's a great, I didn't even thought about that point, but that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. There are a number of times before Ahsoka leaves the, or, leaves the order where you see him start to do something and she kind of calls him back. Uh, right. We see Padme do that a few times. It's like once he doesn't have those people, mm-hmm. you know, talking in his ear directly is when he begins to, 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 to lose it a little bit. He begins mm-hmm. to, because he's got Palpatine whispering in the other ear. Right. And so without someone to balance it, yeah. we begin to see him uh, get a little darker. I mean, the way he, uh, what is the, the general that uh, is leading the force that they're fighting at the end of this? Uh, shoot, if you hadn't asked me, I could have told you. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's no hesitation. Right. In, in killing him. Yeah. Right. Which ties in perfectly to when he killed Dooku in, in episode right. three, and it, it's it makes that moment make even more sense. Yeah, right. You know exactly. So I, I just love that aspect of the show, and they've always been able to do that with the Clone Wars, but now this season they can go even deeper in it with like making the prequel trilogy like just even better just by association. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. Oh, it's it's one of one of my favorite things, but I, I think uh, Marisha would say this even more so than me, is that this is really where we got to see Anakin fleshed out fully. Oh yeah, for sure. Um you know, we got to see Anakin, we got to see a lot of Anakin's story in the movies, mm-hmm. but this is when they were really able to flesh, you know, in, in the Clone Wars series and when they really fleshed out Anakin's character. Right. Yeah. You really find out, you know, because I was actually, I was talking with somebody online and um, she was talking about just, you know, I could just never, I just never liked that Padme fell for Anakin. He's so whiny and needy and this and that. And I was like, what are you even talking about? And and then I went back and I watched um, Attack of the Clones and I was like. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I kind of see what you're talking about. And then I kind of started thinking about it. I was like, cause, because, well, the conversation was the issues that I always had with Kylo Ren. And she was like, yeah, well, but then Anakin Skywalker. And I was like, but Anakin Skywalker was so noble in this and that and the other. And so then I started thinking. And I was like, you know, I think that my perception of Anakin Skywalker is definitely largely based on his portrayal in the Clone Wars. Yeah. yeah, because you see him grow a lot there. Right. You you basically in the Clone Wars you see him at his most vulnerable when his mother dies, and you see him lose his mind a little bit, and then you see him in um, Revenge of the Sith, is you see him ultimately fall, um, and you never really get the story because it's like they they talk about him. You know, he's the greatest star pilot in the galaxy. He's um, you know, he was a, a noble warrior. He's a, you know, somebody with your reputation, you know, that he's clearly like has this reputation, not just with the Jedi, but like around people know who he is, but we never really mm-hmm. saw as much of that. We mostly just sort of saw his damaged side in the movies because obviously we had to see him be, become Darth Vader and they didn't have time to show us all of the rest of his, um, character so yeah i i was always confused and when watching those prequel movies it's like one yeah why does padme fall for him and two 
why does Obi-Wan like him? Like, like, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, I get right. he's your apprentice, but like, I don't see the, you know, all you do is hear about, it's like you were saying, all you do is hear that they, they, right. they always told and didn't show. And, and, and the, and the Clone Wars can do that. I, Pad, Padme and Anakin's relationship in the Clone Wars is actually like there's real chemistry there and yeah. you understand the love they have for each other and Anakin and you, Anakin does things that make you realize why Padme feels the way she does about him and it makes it all that much more tragic. Yeah, exactly. When when he's force choking her on Mustafar and it's like no. Right. You know. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we like to compare Anakin's and Kylo's story. I mean, in some ways, Kylo was trying to imitate his grandfather. But the truth is, is that Kylo's motives were purely selfish. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Where Anakin's, Anakin is an example of what happens when you pursue a noble, pers- you have a noble pursuit, but you chase that pursuit, you, you chase it. With with without any regard for the cost, like you're willing mm-hmm. to do anything yep. to accomplish the goal, regardless of consequence. The consequence. You're and, willing to do all the wrong things for the right reason, mm-hmm. and ultimately, it's the toll it takes on you. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's why their stories are are actually very very different. Uh, despite the fact that it's the same, you know, darkness whispering in their ear, mm-hmm. um, the the path that they take to get there is different. Yeah, right. And I think it makes Kylo's like that. That's that's what the great thing about the Clone Wars. It, aff- it makes everything in the whole saga more interesting because mm-hmm. that also affects that. Now, when you think about it that way, you think of Kylo differently because Kylo didn't watch the Clone Wars, so right. he doesn't get it. Right. He's only doing what he what he thinks. Kylo is doing what he thinks people who don't watch the Clone Wars think Anakin did. <laughs> right. Exactly. And when you look at it in that way, and that, in, and I think it's intentional to be like that. I I one hundred percent believe that Kylo's arc is intentionally set up to be like that, and that makes him even more of an interesting character. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of the the great writing. Uh, in this whole show and the bad batch art just does. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have to catch up and watch the, like the last couple. Why don't um, we just wait and do all the Ahsoka episodes at one time? Well, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. We'll we'll do the, we'll do the bad batch tonight. And in a couple of weeks, we will do do the Ahsoka arc. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I'm, I'm curious to see because, you know, clearly, you know, Anakin and Ahsoka are fixing to have one last, meeting and yeah. interaction and uh it'll be cur- you know it'll be interesting to see how their last interaction yeah. goes before they meet yeah. again in rebels well because in right. rebels she tells somebody Kanan or, or ezra i don't remember which but she tells them the last time i saw my master he was headed towards the senate building to save the emperor yeah that's gonna be really cool and i have no doubt that they're gonna they're gonna follow that continuity yeah um because they've they've always been really great about that, I think, at least yeah. from what I can tell. Yeah, that's I am I am very excited for that because Ahsoka has become just one of the fan favorite characters, and and yeah. I've seen I saw, you know, a lot of early Clone Wars and her, and I haven't watched Rebels, but I did watch the 
episode where that happens because everybody mm-hmm. told me. Right. Like I'd heard so much about how great that moment was. Mm-hmm. And it is like truly heart wrenching. Yeah. That whole scene when Anakin tells her that he's going to kill her and just the pure pain in her face that like, what have you become? Yeah. And so I, I, I can't wait to see the interaction before that. And that's yep. going to make that's going to make that even better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of a lot of people right now are really unhappy about the fact that the Rise of Skywalker novel kind of filled in so much information that they felt like we needed in the movies. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the just, you know, they Mm -hmm. release information in a Fortnite game, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so kind of, you know, the, the thing that people keep saying is, we shouldn't have to consume other media to appreciate our Star Wars movies. And I mean, I, I, I understand that. But on the other hand, like, I feel like without the Clone Wars, the prequel trilogy is much more lacking. I mean, yeah. I, I would say that. I know there's a lot of people that are upset about that, but I, I would say that I, I still think you can watch the non-movie saga. You don't need any of the extra material. You can watch those movies. You can understand what happened. But the other things enhance the experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have zero problem with that. Yeah. I agree. It's a reward for the diehard fans who are yeah. going to go out of their way. Right. Because and it's not like it's difficult to right. do that. Everybody has Disney Plus now. Well, it's everybody that was upset about the, the, the stuff in... Uh, the Fortnite game. I mean, you don't have to play the game to go on YouTube and find that clip. It's actually a really right. cool clip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was not, it was advertised that it was happening. It wasn't some random thing. It was a JJ Abrams right. interview. I don't know if you saw it or not. It, um, it was a little goofy though, that oh, they did it with Fortnite, but it is. But honestly, I, I mean, they've been doing so many crazy live events like that on Fortnite. I mean, they had a marshmallow concert live on, on Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. I mean, and, as far as gaming, that's a, a that's a really cool, interesting thing that Fortnite's doing with that. Right. It, it's one of the it's advertising. It's one of the biggest games in the world. And yeah. if you want if you're worried about if you're trying to make sure people are going to go see those movies, I mean, I, I'm sure it did yeah. something for that. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't need to hear the message to it was like right. people are acting like that message that's mentioned in the crawl for episode nine was like, well, I didn't get to hear that message. It's like, but you didn't need to, you just needed to understand yeah. that it had been heard right. that, that, that somewhere out there, people had heard that message. It doesn't really matter if you missed that message. It doesn't even matter what he said. It just matters that. Well, it tells you the important part of what he said in the crawl. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you're welcome. So now you don't have to go out there and do it. <laughs> It's easier for you. Exactly. Okay, so here's I didn't a, hear the message until after I saw the movie. Yeah. yeah. And it was fine. Yeah. It, it it didn't it didn't hurt anybody's feelings, didn't break anything. Um mm-hmm. so here's a question because we we all went and saw The Force Awakens in theaters. And as I recall, David was not a fan of Kylo Ren. Um not at first. So I was wondering, like, as so by the no. time we we're we're done now, so how do you feel about Kylo Ren here at the end? Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's been so long since I was on the show that I could talk about it. 
I haven't even talked about uh, how I felt about um, Rise of Skywalker. So um, I definitely went into that question about Kylo. And I'll just say overall, I'm fine with Rise of Skywalker. It's fine. That's just my overall feeling about mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Um, but the best part of that movie is probably Kylo. And oh, yeah. now yeah. looking back, yeah. in hindsight, the best part of this entire trilogy was probably Kylo Ren's character. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver has in the past couple years elevated himself to being one of the best actors in the world. Oh yeah. Pure, in my opinion, like yeah. everything he's in is incredible. Yeah. And he brings that to, to star Wars. And, you know, at first I just didn't feel it at all. It felt out of place to me, something about him, mm-hmm. but now he's t- one of my favorite characters in the movies, probably just because of how well, that arc was handled. That was the one arc to me that was not messed up in this trilogy. I yeah. feel like Ray's art kind of faltered. Pit, Finn, Poe, everybody's art kind of just took a dive in these last two movies. But but Kylo's was the one consistent thing yep. that made me want to keep watching these movies. Going into Rise of Skywalker, the biggest reason, the biggest thing I wanted to see was what's going to happen to Kylo this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's he gonna do? I loved it. I think he was a great character. I think that one of the best, one of the better villains in, in Star Wars. No, yeah. absolutely. I think Adam Driver, like you're saying, I mean, he's really become such a great actor that I, I would say that his performance in Nine is one of the best acting performances in all of Star Wars. Oh yes, I'd agree. And. I think he elevates that character above above the trilogy that it's that it's in. Like his the standout thing about that entire trilogy is his performance as Kylo Ren, and like you said, yes, definitely elevates that character to being one of the all time great Star Wars villains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his the best scene in the movie, in my in my opinion, is him running through Palpatine's evil fortress, trying to redeem himself and save Rey. Mm -hmm. I loved that. I loved seeing him with the blue lightsaber, wearing, not wearing his, you know, evil edgelord outfit. And instead just wearing like a shirt and pants and running through with the blaster, just being like, I got this feeling like, okay, he's using what Luke taught him now, right? you know, running through, um, I, there's a, one of my favorite things that I keep rewatching is that scene with "I Need a Hero," yeah. put on top of it, <laughs> yeah, uh, and it but it fits, and I, I love that moment. Yeah. And as cheesy as it is, I love whether this makes sense or not. I don't want to think about it. Ray, that moment where she puts a lightsaber behind her back, and then Kylo comes out and he's holding, mm-hmm. yep. and he's 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 holding Luke's lightsaber. That that's awesome. Yeah. That was great. That fight scene was great. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it makes sense and whether it should have been in there and whether it oh ruins the blah blah blah. I'm an angry Star Wars fan. It was it was a, it was a great scene. Yeah. And one of my favorite. I, I I will rewatch the movie when it gets on Disney Plus for Kylo Ren. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I actually like. I don't think that some people think that some of the stuff done with the connection between Ray and Kylo somehow damages uh, the lore. 
But I, I don't think it does. I think it adds a lot to the lore. And they were very careful to tell us, even in story, that this is something that's unusual. It's rare. Mm -hmm. This is not a normal Jedi thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I always appreciate when, when you do spectacular, you know, the spectacular, the things that could, if suddenly every Jedi can do these things, you go, okay, you went too far. Right. But they're very careful to rein it back and say, look, this is... This is not the norm. It's like uh, it's like Filoni chose to do with the world between worlds and rebels, right. where he said, "Look, this is the doorway. Like the doorway was destroyed. Like it's it's gone. Like right. Because uh, I know people keep wanting you know use the world between worlds to bring uh bring to bring Kylo Ren or bring Ben Solo back. It's like it's gone. Like yeah. unless they decide to undo what Dave Filoni did, and I don't see them doing that." Mm -hmm. Um, I, in fact, I think it's important. I, I think that the character dying is a fitting into his his story because yep. Kylo got really the happiest ending that he was ever going to get. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's like he was going to go back to the Resistance base and they were going to be like, "Oh, thank you." Right? It's <laughs> so just like you can't you. go back and suddenly everybody has amnesia and like, "Oh, you're right. you're a good guy now." It's like <laughs> you're a good guy, and oh, you're in charge. You're, uh, right. you're Leia's son, so um, you're in charge of so the So, yes, we defer now. to you, and, yeah, no, um, we talked a lot about that. We actually talked about that with your dad. We got him on here for an episode to talk about that. You know, it's, everybody wanted a, you know, for the people that wanted a happy ending for Ben Solo, I, I think you got it. Mm -hmm. I agree. This That's probably the best, the happiest ending for him, and just the because best he, ending Because he died with a free conscience. Yeah. For the first yeah. time in his life, probably. I mean, he had had that, that pull of the dark side ever since he was a child. He'd had that yeah. snake on his shoulder. I, the more, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that, that he's lived his whole life being, feeling this, this anger inside of him that he didn't understand. And he didn't know why it was there. And he probably thought something was wrong with him. And and there's so many deep things of that character that doesn't come across as cheesy or stupid or edgy to me at all because of the way that it was handled and mm -hmm. Adam Driver's portrayal of it. And you're right, it makes this really interest it makes this really great ending for him where just the look on his face is that he feels like the weight of the world has been lifted off his shoulders. Yep. And and he gets to die having saved this person that and I, I, I think um, someone came out, and I think the, the, the script writer came out and said that that kiss at the end was not romantic, and I, that's how I feel about it. I feel like he loves Ray, but in a, in a way that isn't in a deeper way than just being a romantic. And this, he loves her for what she meant to him in mm -hmm. taking that weight off of his shoulders, and he and he gets to breathe. He gets right. to breathe for the first time. Well, we get and this. And then go. Right. And we, we get this idea, you know, culturally we, we push this idea that a romantic love is the most and not just valuable type of love. It's the most, yeah. it's, it's the, it's the height of love is romantic love. And it's not. Yeah. And it, not necessarily. Right. Right. So he, you know, and like they said, the script writer said it wasn't a romantic kiss. And I, I agree. And I, I would say that 
that, like you're saying, he loves her in a much more powerful way. And a very kind of, um, to pull to pull out more descriptive words from another language, he has a very agape. Finally, he mm-hmm. has a, a genuine, self-sacrificing, agape kind of love for her, as opposed mm-hmm. to that weird, possessive, obsessive thing that he had always had before. Right. Right. He'd always done that, and, and he's grateful I think he's very, very grateful to her, and and he has that love of. You're right. Instead of being possessed, put that possessive love. He has this love of, I'm going to do something. Selfless, mm-hmm. for you, and I know the consequences. I know that I could, theoretically, like, go off and and live like hide away somewhere. Or, you know, he could live. He could have lived. But right. he knew the consequences of what were coming, and he did it anyway. And you know, it's 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 nice to think about. I'm happy we didn't get the moment where Ray's there, and then she looks behind her, and then Kylo's standing there next to Anakin and Obi Wan or and, and Luke, you know, as a Force ghost. I, I think I like that it's sort of you get the read between the lines. There's 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 subtlety, and this, these movies were not very subtle. Um, these movies were not very subtle at all, except for when it came to Kylo and their subtlety and understanding. He's 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 probably with Leia and with Luke and with I wouldn't think Han's a Force ghost, but you know, and whatever wherever Han is, I think he's he's with them now mm-hmm. with a with a with a peaceful mind, with the weight lifted off of, with the weight off of his shoulders, and and it, it was a really effective ending for his character. And that's probably the best part of the movie. And the rest of it is okay. <laughs> I mean, I liked a lot of things about this movie. It's so, so fast paced. Yeah. And, and it feels a little rushed. And that that's the biggest flaw with the movie. It should have been a little longer. I, I think they should have just gone ahead and bit the bullet and gone for a three hour film and filled in the gaps Yeah, uh, that they cut out. But for for time, because they they wanted to keep the movies a consistent length, so they, you know, left a lot of stuff on the on the cutting room floor. But uh, I just feel like to get to where he thought he needed to be to wrap the story up, they had to rush through a lot of exposition. You know, I love the but movie. It I really like the movie. It, it was a it was a fitting end. To at least to this trilogy, I still feel like they should have allowed six to be the ending of the Skywalker saga, and this should have been its own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you really think about it, and I'm sure my dad said this, uh, when you really think about it, it kind of makes everything that happened in six be only a little meaningless. Uh, oh, okay, so they didn't kill the Emperor. Okay. Right. Thanks. Great. So Anakin sacrifice was for nothing. You know, it, it just, it does hurt that, but I'm trying not to think about it because I'm just tired of being mad. You know, <laughs> Yeah. that's, that's what I keep telling people about this, about this movie. And you, I wear, I have a star Wars shirt. I wear to work pretty often and, and customers ask me all the time. Oh, so what you think of the, the last movie sucked. Right. And I was like, man, I am so tired of being mad. <laughs> and trust me, if you just feel the same way, the 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 way just like Kylo, the weight of the world will be lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. And you just stop being mad about it and just enjoy it for what it is. 
Yeah. Yes, it could have been better. Everything could have been better. But it is what it is, and it's not going to change, and there's no right. reason to be mad about it. There is no JJ the cut. We're not going to get a JJ cut. JJ's not going to go remake episode eight. The way he always you know? envisioned it. <laughs> right. He's not going to George Lucas it. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to George Lucas. We're not going to get the, the special editions, and he's not going to erase Ryan Johnson from Star Wars lore. <laughs> I can I can enjoy the Last Jedi for what it is. Honestly, that's yeah. a beautiful movie. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is, and and I honestly yeah. think that in some ways, people think that this movie just was to erase the things. But I honestly think that in some ways, this movie enhances eight. Really, I haven't thought about it in that way. Knowing that there's more to the story of what we're getting in eight that we're only getting partial truths, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good point. Yeah, that does make that makes that conversation mean more when you think about it in that way. And I don't think it was ever intended that way. I really do believe Ryan Johnson wanted it to be Ray's parents were nobodies, mm-hmm. and I oh. think J.J. Abrams wanted it to be that Ray's parents were, I, I guess, Palpatine. I guess that's what he had planned. Or and. Yeah, when you when when you take and that's the best way to think about it is you have these pieces in front of you and the pieces are not going to change, so make the puzzle the best way you can. Mm-hmm. Maybe all the pieces don't fit, but at the end of the day, it's gonna it's gonna paint a picture and it's rough and it's a roller coaster and it's up and down. But that's a lot. Of, Star Wars has always been like that. Mm-hmm. There is as much great Star Wars media as there is. There is just as much garbage Star Wars media. But you gotta enjoy it all and, and take it for what it is. And I'm not now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should just settle. I, I don't want. I never settle for for bad things. I don't excuse them. But understand that when it comes to this thing that you love, and there's always going to be Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be Star Wars movies. There's always going to mm-hmm. be new Star Wars things. Some of it's not going to reach that potential, mm-hmm. and some of it's not going to reach the standards. Yep. And that sucks, and every movie should have a standard, and they should strive to reach it. But if they don't, they don't. There will be another one soon. And and when it comes to something as big as Star Wars, you have to take the good with the bad. You have to take the bad with the good. And you have to make the best of it that you can. And thinking about it in that way, which a way I had not even thought about it at all, that, oh, that makes eight, it enhances eight, that's the best way to look at it. And that's you. And, and for Andrew, that, that that's you making it better for yourself. And so in your head, you can think of it that way and you can enhance the experience and, and make it special for you in that way. And that's something great that Star Wars has always been able to do. Mm-hmm. If you want Knights of the Old Republic, this is an example. If you want Knights of the Old Republic to be in canon, well, God dang it, in your head, that <laughs> happened. And if, if in your head you want to be that um, Last Jedi did something slightly different then, then go for it tell yourself that it did I mean is it really going to change anything no and I'm just tired of being mad yeah no I mean we decided we actually had a conversation a few weeks ago Marisha and I did that like I didn't start this show so that I could gripe about Star Wars every week right like uh-huh. I started this show because I love Star Wars and I'm not going to get suckered down that hole of griping about it every week. I will, I can still find a thousand things about star Wars to talk about that. I love 
mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to do. And we can acknowledge, yeah. like, and, and that and I thought it could have been better. We're going to be honest. I mean, one of the things we pledged when we started this podcast was you're going to get our opinion, mm-hmm. whether we liked it or hated it. We're not going to shy away from saying exactly what we think. We're not going to beat around the bush right. and pretend we like things we didn't, or say we don't like things just for clicks. You know, we're we're going to give our opinion, and but I'm not going to dwell, and I'm not going to do entire episodes of just bashing something. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and the thing about Star Wars is there's plenty of it to like right now. Oh, yes. for sure. Um, actually, I don't know if you've seen it, the Star Wars. You mentioned Revan, or you mentioned Knights of the Old Republic, uh, mm-hmm. the Star Wars Visual Dictionary. Uh, uh, even though it, the, the uh, Visual Dictionary for Episode Nine, even though it did not do anything but bring his name into canon, they very quietly made the name Revan canon. Oh, I think I did hear that. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. And honestly, if they don't do any more than that, I wouldn't be mad. I think that's just a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, but if you want to do more with that, oh, that's yeah. great. I mean, I, I think that Revan is such a big, loved character that I think eventually they've got to do something with that story. But you're right. If they never do anything else with it, at least they acknowledged his mm-hmm. existence in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's good enough. It's like we were talking about oh, when we recorded last night on the other show. It's like you don't have to... You know, talking about with the Marvel stuff, it's like you can do these other things without uh, talking about Daredevil or or the Hulk. It's like we have these things that are in the past and we know they existed, but we don't necessarily talk about them. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, now we know Revan existed and we just don't necessarily know what his entire story was. But, you know, for now, I'm perfectly content to just imagine that the original Revan story is Revan's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if they ever do the Revan story, they're not going to change it that much. Yeah, they're not. And, and and if they do, you got to think optimistically, that's an opportunity for them to, to, to make that, that there's always potential. Oh yeah. To make it even better and enhance it. Oh, for it. sure. And that's great. Speaking of Revan and mm-hmm. old Republic and video games, all right so yeah we definitely uh wanted to trying to get back to doing some things that are slightly less news related we wanted to talk about and this was a perfect night to have david on because uh i couldn't get robbie or daniel and marisha don't play video games games. so Mm -hmm. we wanted to talk about our favorite star wars video games and i mean it's a huge topic the cultural impact of star wars video games is massive i mean you're talking like I don't even know, roughly a hundred titles. Wow. I had no idea. Uh, when you start talking, yeah. when you start including mobile games, arcade games, going back from NES all through all the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were Nintendo exclusive for a while. Um, and then they started branching out to some of the other stuff. But I mean, just so many games and a lot of them were a whole lot of fun to play. Yeah. And uh, it's it's very rare I've played a Star Wars game that wasn't at least kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, you can have fun. I mean, there were a few of the older ones that were a little clunky and and didn't pan out that well. But I mean, even a lot of the really old ones, like the old early arcade games, were still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but I mean, we start talking about. I mean, I think there are like ten different arcade, ten different 
pinball tables. <laughs> uh, I mean, great. there are so many Star Wars games, but um, so we kind of want to talk about, I think, David, you said you listed your top five. Yeah, I did list my top five. Okay, and I've kind of got my top ten here, but I'll narrow it down to five to keep us about even. I, I'm not, did you rank yours like your, like in order, or is it just your five favorite? I roughly rank them. I think I do have an order. <laughs> okay, but I, they're all kind of on the even plane. Right. Field. Yeah, mine are kind of mine's kind of rough. But um, so, what do you have as your top game? My top game number one. Yeah. Well, we can start. We uh, just you know go from the bottom up. Yeah, let's go from the bottom up. I think. Okay. Uh, so you're number five. My number five. I actually um, just this took me a second to think about. Uh, what I wanted to do with this one, but I actually put Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga. Nice. Um, and it, well, it took me a second to see the, the wonder: Do I qualify this as, as a Star Wars game, or is it a Lego game? And I think it's definitely a Star Wars game. There, when you actually play it, they do a great job, like telling the story of the full saga mm-hmm. in their own goofy little Lego <laughs> way. Right. And it's a lot of fun to play it's a great way to just it's so much fun to play multiplayer some of the best experience of experiences i've ever had was playing multiplayer lego star wars which and it spans across so many different consoles and decades of course the complete saga is the definitive one because it's just all of them together there's so many and there's so much content there's just so much because not only do they do scenes from the movies but they do extra scenes from the movies and it's like you're really expanding these stories and it's a great opportunity to talk to, to play as different weird characters that you would never get a chance to play as in any other game. And it's a lot of fun to just to sit down and play some Lego star Wars. That's a game that I always have installed on my Xbox. That's awesome. Just in case I want to play it. Yeah. I need to check that one out. I actually have one of the star Wars Lego games. I'm not sure which one it is off the top of my head. The kids got it for me. It's um, and I've played some of it. Force but Awakens, I, need, I think. Okay, but I need to go back and actually play that those games. So I mean, that's the thing. There's so many games. You know, these are my top five that I've played. It's not to say yeah. that my top five are better than some of these others because uh, there's an awful lot of them I've never played. Um, yeah, I realized that when I started looking at the list tonight, I was like, oh my God, how did I miss that game? Okay, Star Wars has a, and you don't think about it often, but Star Wars has a super rich history in video games, and some of its deepest lore comes from some of these games that oh, I'm sure we're going to talk about. For sure. So, my number five, I've got Star Wars Episode One Racer. Uh, <laughs> that's what we talked about. I was like, I haven't played any of these racer games. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is a lot of fun. Uh, it was it was pod racing. Um, you get to do you know the big one, of course. I think we just played over and over the <laughs> pod racing track on Tatooine, and I mean, gosh, that game was so much fun. Me and Robbie put just countless hours <laughs> of racing each other in that game. Mm-hmm. And so, what's number four, David? Uh, number four is actually where I chose to rank Jedi Fallen Order, mm. the uh, most recent Star Wars game that's come out. Uh, so Fallen Order came out like September or something last year. 
And uh, I was one of the games I was most excited for because it, it bases its combat. Now, now Fall, Fallen Order probably has the best lightsaber combat. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I had not played a lot of games with that type of combat, uh, Mm -hmm. with those kind of combat mechanics. It took me a little while to get used to it because I'm, for the last 10 years, I've been so heavy on FPSs that it took me a little while to get used to the mechanics. But once I did, I loved it. Yeah. So these mechanics, if you guys out there don't know, it's it's called um, uh, Soulsborne mechanics where there's um so there's dark souls which is like one of the harder things of all time right and it pretty much changed the way that games are made dark souls is one of the most influential games of all time and it has a really intense really difficult sword play combat system mm-hmm. and uh i played the dark souls games never beaten them because they're so difficult and i'm not that good at video games actually uh, but for Fallen Order, I challenged myself to beat it on the hardest difficulty, and I did, and it was brutal. But it was so much fun and so satisfying. It felt like I was a Jedi. It really did, because it was like I kept getting better and better at the combat and having to rely on my actual skill with blocking. And it, it, made, it put me in the mind of a Jedi to be like, wow, this is really hard. This is really freaking hard. Imagine being an actual Jedi having to block these blaster bolts. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, the combat, the lightsaber combat, it's so dynamic and you have to face all these different enemies in different ways. That's the best part of the game. I, I think the story was okay. I think it was, and, and feel free to jump in, Andrew, because I know you've played it, right? Yeah, I've actually got it ranked in the same spots you do. Oh, great. Uh, at yeah. four and... Um, man, it, that game is, it's so much fun. And the lore, I like what they did with the story, but I feel like I need more of, of it. Like yeah. I want to know more about some of the things that he's kind of learning. Um, yeah. and, I, and I, I don't think I got enough of it to make me go, Oh, it's the best star Wars lore, like in a video game because it left so many questions. Yeah, it did leave so many questions. And I think the biggest problem is it doesn't feel like a complete story. It, right. Because you kind of can't do a complete... It, it takes place right before episode four. And so the the what's going on there, Marisha, is the this group of this group of Jedi... Well, there's like two Jedi and a pilot. They are tracking down this like data cube of force-sensitive children. Okay, right. And the idea is they're going to get it and train all these children to, like, you know, reset the Jedi Order. Spoiler warning, real quick, if you haven't played the game, I'm just going to, like, it's going to be a quick spoiler. But at the end, they choose to destroy the Data Cube because someone makes a point that, oh, if you, um, if you go and find these kids, you're putting them in the crosshairs of the Empire. Right. So they destroy the Data Cube, and they're like, well, <laughs> Onward into the breach. What's what's next? And it, it just doesn't feel like a complete story. But it's because you can't. If they would have succeeded and they would have found these children, then it really messes with what the original trilogy was. So it's really hard right. to balance. Yeah. So I was not envious that we ever had to come up with that story. But like you said, the lore around it was great. My fa- some of my favorite stuff was expanding even more on. Um, 
on uh, the Night Sisters yep. and on Daphomir. Yeah, that um, stuff was great. That was so cool. That was that was intense stuff. Like that was one of my favorite parts of the game. Seeing the planet, getting to play through it, fighting the uh, the Night Brothers and, and the Night Sisters, and learning about everything that happened on that planet was super awesome. I also love the idea because I've always thought this. It makes perfect sense to me that not only Obi Wan and Yoda survived. Yes. You know, it makes yeah. perfect sense. These are Jedi. So I get the idea is they got caught off guard, but a lot of them would have been able to escape their clones attacking them. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense to me that all across the galaxy are Jedi in hiding that are either disgraced or, or whatever. And, and I love that. And I love the story of what happened with uh, Seer. That was her name, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, yeah, the lady who's training you. I loved what happened with her with, and talking about how Darth Vader got these Padawans and turned them into the the um these like inquisitors Inquisitors, yeah yeah and what happened with seer getting captured and and turning to the dark side and and her apprentice and that story like that's such cool stuff like i would you're right i'd love to know more about that yeah um and and see more of those well you got to think like the inquisitors exist for a reason they didn't vader didn't create this group of inquisitors because like two or three jedi survived Right, right, um, and, and we've we've been we seem actually to be ramping up with telling the story of more of these Jedi that survived, like you know, because you had Kanan in, right. in Rebels, and and then the Force Collector book, we get a new character, even though we really don't learn anything about you know we we're meeting his uh, descendant, not this character in particular, but we, we had another character in the force collector book that was a survive, a Jedi that survived the, uh, order 66, um, the characters in this. And it makes sense that some of the, a lot of the ones we've had that survived so far were, uh, were Padawan learners that were probably easy, you know, slipped through the cracks easier because they weren't as powerful. Well, and because they were the main target that the clones had was, the generals, you know, they were after right. Shock T and they were after Plo Koon and they were after, you know, all of the right. really high rank, the council members, you know, I mean, if you have a few Padawans slip through the crack, that's different than there being Jedi council members running around. Mm-hmm. And so, it's something like we can deal with later and, and they really underestimate them. And that's the theme of the story. I really like Cal a lot. Yeah. Actually, I thought he was a great Jedi protagonist. A classic Star Wars, you know, very, very Luke-ish. Mm-hmm. And, and he's young and he's hopeful. And, and I loved um, his droid, uh, BD-1. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. BD-1. I love that. What a, like, what a great droid. They always, they're always trying to introduce new droids, right? Because that sells toys. <laughs> right. And I think rarely does it work as well. As it did with with BD one and oh that one yeah that one worked you know fantastically I mean brilliantly yeah you know you're always trying to recapture that magic that was captured with C three PO and R two and they did that to you know with with uh, BB eight I mean mm-hmm. BB eight has sold untold millions of, of toys yeah I have uh, a BB eight remote control toy and myself uh, so. You know, and then and then with uh, 
Chopper. Chopper in Rebels. Rebels. And and so they've really, it's one of the things that's really cool about Star Wars is, is the droids. I mean, um, K2SO was such a fantastic droid. That's true. Um, K2SO, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, is a throwback to a lot of the video game droids uh, that were a little bit more menacing, a little maniacal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things I always appreciated about that. But uh, moving on, I, the thing about a top five is I'm having a real hard time squeezing everything in here. I think that I would say for my number three, I would probably put The Force Unleashed. Okay. That's, oh, wow. That's actually exactly where I have it uh, <laughs> as <funny>. well. It's <laughs> Force Unleashed on number three. And for me, that includes just the first two games together, the Force Unleashed franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess you didn't have as big of a gap as it feels like, because Knights was 2003 and then Knights 2 was in 2005. But it was a different kind of game. It was the first game where we got to, I mean, Knights of the Old Republic was a turn-based game. I mean, it was a it was, RPG. Yeah, it was an RPG. It was a D20 RPG. Mm-hmm. And so this was the first one where we really got to take control of this Jedi. And like you said, to, to take control of and be this powerful Jedi. Um, in yeah. a lot of ways, it's the predecessor of and, and what led up to Fallen Order. I agree. And while I think Fallen Order has better lightsaber combat, I th- still think Force Awakens handled the Force better than any other game. And, and it's a little OP. Well, oh, it's, it's very it's, OP. Yeah, it's, wait, it's, wait, you mean Force Unleashed? Yeah, Force you, Unleashed. Okay, you said Force Awakens, so I was just clarifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Force Unleashed. Yeah, yeah Force, Force Unleashed, Unleashed was the first is, one to, to like, do that. Yeah, it's super. It your character is super OP by the end of that game. Yeah, um, it's insane, but it's so much fun. It makes you feel. Oh, as a video, by, as a video game, game, it's fantastic. Through. Yeah, and, and, and Fallen Order makes you feel that way when it comes to lightsaber. And it's still great, but there's still nothing beats walking through a map, an arena, and a level, and just absolutely decimating every poor stormtrooper that you come across. <laughs> I with, mean, that with, was one of the things. So the the, ways to do it. the force push was was my, you know by the end of the game, like you can walk into an elevator or you know a turbo lift with a bunch of stormtroopers and just slam them all against the wall, and you're done. I mean, mm-hmm. so much fun. Oh yeah. And I also love the story of the game. Uh, the story is great. And I think the story may be kind of the origins of where the idea for the Inquisitors came from. I think so, yeah, probably. probably. Um, because you have, and, and, and Force Unleashed was doing this, you're hunting down these old Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, Starkiller kind of was the first. He's the prototype Inquisitor. Inquisitor. Yeah, and I think that was great, and and I love exploring that where it's like all these Jedi that didn't die, and and I think they were really cool characters. Um, I can't remember his name now, but the general, like in the first entire mission of the game that you meet, that you blind, one of the coolest Jedi characters. Oh yeah, and expanded lore. Um, I I loved everything about this. I loved running into Shakti. That's her name, right? Yep. Yeah, I loved running into her. Oh, her I mean- planet. Oh, that was great because like Shock T is a background character in 
in the prequel trilogy. I mean, mm-hmm. she, but she's one of those characters, like she's cool looking and like, you'd kind of like to know a little more. Now I think kind of in Clone Wars, they kind of make her out to be a little less than an honorable character in some she's ways. She's just, she's a rule follower. She's like, no, no, them's the rules. And that's, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter that the rules are going to get everyone killed. Right. But yeah, that 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 whole mission involving trying to hunt down Shock T was was incredible. Yeah, and I loved seeing the different planets. It getting to explore this different. Um, and at the time, it was the best looking Star Wars game we had got. Oh, for sure. And so getting to explore these different planets and seeing that world was super super cool. Seeing the behind the scenes of the way the Sith operate. With you know, there can only be two, and 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 exploring all of that, and the betrayal and Starkiller, his character and the way it evolves. Um, also, just part of the story, one of the most iconic moments in any Star Wars video game, the moment where you use the Force and you bring down a Star Destroyer. Yes, that is insane. That's the perfect example. That is so freaking OP, <laughs> but it's so awesome. Uh, they did so many, I mean, they, they found a way, I mean, Star Wars has always been about nostalgia. It's been one of the arguments, there's actually a really strong argument that the reason that Star Wars was loved so much from the beginning, that it was built on nostalgia for uh, sci-fi serials like uh, Buck Rogers and things like that that came before, that that the first Star Wars movie you ever saw had nostalgic weight to it. It felt like you had watched this movie as a kid. Yeah. And, and so... You know, the Starkiller. I mean, that was Luke's original name. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, before they decided to go with something a little less scary sounding. For, right. You know, in the movie. And, you know, the ripping the Star Destroyers out of the sky, the Legends of Luke Skywalker book, when they're telling someone's story, there's these stories about Luke Skywalker at the Battle of... Jakku. At the Battle of Jakku, ripping Star Destroyers, you know, standing on a mountaintop, ripping Star Destroyers <laughs> out of the sky. It's like, <laughs> that's so awesome. It's like, but that's yeah. directly, I mean, that's absolutely where that idea came from. Yeah, and that's great. I, I like that they're, I like them using that and, and playing with that sort of thing and making these super iconic moments that the Force, the Force Unleashed is a game you can go back and play now and it still holds up. The combat is unmatched. The, light, the lightsaber combat is nothing special, but overall, it's good. It is, it's good enough that it doesn't take away from playing through the story. No, it doesn't. And the story is just a really great story. And in the way, at the end of two, when it kind of builds up to where you get this idea that that Star Killer kind of starts, kind of kicks off the rebellion in a way, mm-hmm. and and is actually a really important character, and. I really enjoy all that. It's a shame that it isn't necessarily canon, but like I was saying earlier, if you, if you want it to be, it is. Just enjoy it for what it is, and it's a great game to play. It's still great to go back and, and play. I'm sure you can still get it on Steam at a very low price. Mm-hmm. The Force Awakens is a game any Star Wars fan who plays video games has to play and has yeah. to experience. Oh, they, they, run a, they run a special on Steam every now and then, and they'll run a Star Wars package, and I'm pretty sure it's part of the Star Wars package that they run the sale on. I mean, it was like, I think I bought like like 12 Star Wars games for like mm-hmm. 15 bucks. 
Nice. Um, That's, yeah, I think I think I've done the same thing. Getting a lot of Star Wars games. Um, the only thing is, is like I, I need. I bought a lot of the flight simulators on Steam, and I, I don't have a. I don't have a joystick. <laughs> you know, I don't have a. Uh, uh-huh. You know, a joystick anymore. I need to get one. Um, so, what was your number two? My number two. So this is where it was a real toss-up between my number one and my number two. But I had to decide. My number two, I have Knights of the Old Republic. Okay. Um, so I love role-playing games. They're my favorite genre by far. I've been playing them as long as I can remember. I get so invested in the world and my own character. I love playing tabletop role-playing, video game role-playing. And Knights of the Old Republic is still that and Knights of the Old Republic 2 are the definitive Star Wars RPGs. Yes. I've actually a, got, I'll go ahead and, and, and say that is my number one game. Okay. Wow. See, that was a real toss up between me and what my number one was. Uh, and I, it was almost there cause it's, it's such an excellent game and you can still play it. And yes, it's a little bit clunky, but it, it's, it, it makes up for it with its characters and its storytelling and it's it's world getting to explore the old republic world um getting to slowly become a powerful jedi if that's the path you want to take right is really awesome you know you really do get to be if you want to be a scoundrel if you want to be a han solo character you can be that from the very beginning of the game Mm -hmm. um and and you really get to immerse yourself in this star wars world and be whatever it is you want to be. It, it follows a D20 system, uh, just like a, like a Dungeons and Dragons is the most popular role-playing game. It follows that same system. And so it's really easy to understand and comprehend, even though all the stats look complicated at first. It's pretty straightforward to understand. And it takes a little second to get used to it. But once you start playing and you're used to it, you can't stop because you always got to know what's next. I love the relationship between them and um, between you and your, and your companions. Um, so like a more modern version of this game would probably be like the mass effect series. Right. Right. So cause Bioware actually did mass uh, Knights of the Republic too. So just if, if you're a fan of mass effect, then you have to play Knights of the old Republic and you'll have a real appreciation for, what it did and and it's so much fun to play it's so it's just an an awesome story that has gone down as one of the most popular star wars legend stories ever yeah without without doubt i I would say that on the video game side what clone wars did for star wars lore in animation or in any other form i would say that the next biggest thing that contributed outside of the main movies was Knights of the Old Republic. Even though it's not canon, mm-hmm. you still get one of the best Star Wars stories that ex- in existence, whether it be Expanded Universe or, or anything else, you get one of the best Star Wars stories out there in Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, you get one of the best stories that has gr- a great twist at the end, and I won't spoil it for you if you haven't played the game, but you have to play this game. Um and the best part about it is just getting to not only experience the story, but to be a big part of the story 
and to play an essential role in it. And, and, and you're, you, your character that you are creating and you are building and you are growing, that's who's playing a big part in the story. And, and it's no, nothing has ever immersed me more in Star Wars. And that's why I almost put it at number one. Okay. What was your number two? My number two is Shadows of the Empire. I have not played Shadows of the Empire. Um, and you it's were little... six when it came out. <laughs> we'll forgive you. It came out in 1996. Um, it was one of the first games where you got to really be the be this character. It filled in a lot of story. You got a new character. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Shadows of the Empire because there's also a book. It takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Okay. So it takes place in this stretch of time where Han is frozen in carbonite. Okay. And so you kind of got this guy that's he's kind of a Han Solo wannabe. Oh, I think I know. I think I've heard of this character it's, it's before. Dash, it's Dash Rendar. That's right. Who yeah. a lot of yeah. people despise because he's a Han Solo knockoff. But the right. truth is, that's exactly what he's supposed to be. He's another Karelian who's kind of trying to be Han Solo. He's trying That's to live up point. to that legend and, and turn himself into the next Han Solo. That's great. I think I've actually heard of this character being talked about before because um, of how like infamous he is. Right. It's actually what the character, the character that's probably the most wasted character in uh, the Mandalorian in, you know, the, the, the gunslinger uh, mm -hmm. episode. Yeah. It's what that character really probably should have been. Uh, was a, uh, yeah. was he probably should have been a little more Dash Rendar? Heck, uh, he could have been be. could have been Dash Rendar, and that would have been yeah, fine too. Um, but um, just a game that I have to put it high on my list just because of the countless hours that I logged on there. It was a game where we kind of got introduced to some of the so so what the game deals with. It's the shadows of the Empire. So it's dealing in this span between Empire and Jedi. We've got a little bit of involvement of our heroes, Luke and Leia. And and what we've got going on, though, is they're still out there fighting the Empire, but they're dealing with these more shadowy threats. In, uh, it's where we really started building the backstory for some of our criminal underworld of the okay, Star Wars okay. universe. Uh, so we're dealing with bounty hunters and um, syndicates, crime syndicates. We awesome. there's a whole mission where you have to fight IG88, hmm. which that oh, IG88 is as big of a character as he is at this point in time in the Star Wars lore because of Shadows of the Empire. That's really cool. Um, because in the movie, in the movie, IG88 is a not a non-moving stage prop that was literally bolted to the floor to keep it from falling over in in uh in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I mean he doesn't move, he's yeah. just there. And so this game is what turned that character into a character that would be something somebody would want to see in something like The Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Because he was I mean like not the big villain in the game, but certainly one of them. I mean, fighting IG-88 was one of the big hard missions in that game. That's uh, really cool. So, uh, that one, I don't know where that one, I'm sure most of these are available on Steam and possibly 
in the Xbox store. I'm not totally sure about that. Uh, but certainly one that, I mean, it's an older game. It's from 1996, but it's certainly a game worth going back and playing. I, I need to look and see where it's available. That's cool. I'll have to check that one out. I hadn't heard of that one. So that's oh. cool. Oh, 1996. I thought it was 2006. No, no, 1996. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. So, um, who do you play as? By the way, who's who do you play as? You play as Dash Rendar. Oh, <laughs> cool. Like okay. Dash Rendar is the central character, and he's basically aiding our other he our heroes from the movies. Okay. In this whole plot against uh, Prince uh, Shizor, who is the head of one of the crime syndicates. All right. Cool. Um, that, 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 that's, that sounds like, yeah, one of the first deep dives into the criminal underworld that is so prevalent in Star Wars now, it feels right. like. Right. Well, yeah, and this um, was during the same era where we first started getting rumors that George Lucas was making a Star Wars TV show. Right. Uh, but yeah. George Lucas was supposedly developing this game that, or this, uh, TV series that was going to sort of delve into the underworld a little bit. And we ended up getting this game, and um, some of they did some test footage. Some of it leaked actually a couple months ago. Some test footage from George Lucas's TV series, but really, this was what really began to flesh out the the underworld and how they some of the underworld was was aiding the Empire. That so really cool. We are down to your number one. Yeah, so we already know your number one is not to the old Republic, and my number one which was almost number two, but I just had to put it at number one because of the countless hours I put into it and still do all the time is Star Wars Battlefront 2 from 2005. Yes. That, is in, uh, that is on my list what would be an honorable mention here. It, it is, uh, mm-hmm. It's one I have here on my list. And That's really interesting that it's not even like in your top five, but it's my number one. Yeah, it's one of those, like, there are some of these making a top five for me because I've got a couple of games that aren't in my top five that I absolutely love. You know, I've got X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. That entire X-Wing series, I logged countless hours in those games, and I didn't put them in my top five because story-wise, they're kind of mediocre. Uh, but as far as like playing, I probably logged more time on X-Wing versus TIE Fighter than any other game up until probably like Halo 2 came out. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's the, and, and in Battlefront 2, there is no real story. I mean, there's, there's the story with the 501st and going through that in the campaign, but it's, it's not really anything like a brand new story, you know, and, and the, the real meat and potatoes of the game is just instant action playing through mm-hmm. the most iconic maps and planets and moments in Star Wars. Now, there are the new Battlefront games, which I've played a little bit of, and I can't stand them because of all the microtransactions, but I will say those are beautiful-looking games that immerse me wonderfully in the world. Battlefront 1 of the new, the relaunch, mm-hmm. uh, the, the EA versions, Battlefront 1 was a blast, the multiplayer was. I guess that's all there was. There was no story. I I played that a lot. I loved it. The Battlefront 2, the new Battlefront 2, DICE, EA, 
is the story. I loved it. I had a blast playing through that story. It's not long enough, but it's a fun story and added some new interesting characters to the world. But the FPS, the, the shooter element of it, the multiplayer is one of mm-hmm. the worst FPSs I've ever played. Oh, really? Wow. I haven't played the second one at all. I only played the first one and I didn't buy the second one out of pure, like, I am not giving my money to these people. If you find it anymore. cheap, if you find it cheap, the the story is the story is great. Okay, I, I would like to play it because of just, and I'm sure it's the same way. But like Battlefront One EA, it was great to just exist in the world, and the graphics were beautiful. Yeah, and and the sound was amazing, and and it really did immerse you. But um, the microtransactions killed it for me. But Battlefront 2, you know, it, it doesn't look great, but it, it, it doesn't hold up in that way. But the gameplay itself still holds up very nicely, and it is so much fun. I still have it on Steam, and I still hop on it at least once a week just to play a space battle or something, just to fly around in an X-Wing in this open-world map. I used to play it multiplayer, but now there's like you have to like you know download third-party servers and stuff like that, so it's a whole hassle. So I don't really do that, but it, it's just one of the best Star Wars. To me, it's my it's nostalgia that hits me because I've been playing it since I was like eight, probably, and it just blew my mind that this kind of thing was possible, that you could do this with Star Wars with this giant battle with all these different characters playing with your friends going back and forth so simple so fun to jump into i love the conquest um mode of the game uh the idea of like taking over the world as the empire is just so much fun i love doing that um i love all the different heroes that are a part of it that you can unlock and play as and all of them have these different abilities that make them special Mm -hmm. when you have to think about which one you want to play as and and that's a lot of fun and i just love playing the game i think because i think the gameplay is so great it's so simple and straightforward but it works so well and it 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 creates this really amazing experience that is essential for any star wars fan who is a gamer i think oh yeah and we we played i mean we played a lot of battlefront 2 uh back when that Mm -hmm. came out we uh that was probably do you know what happened to know what year battlefront 2 came out 2005. 2005. Okay. Um, so that was, I had been out of school for, I'd been back in Natchez for a little while, but that's when I always had just a whole bunch of people would come to my apartment in the evenings. And we just, that's one we all just took turns playing matches on. And and that one was a, a lot of fun. And, you know, of course I've got, I've got some kind of honorable mentions here that I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the same mm-hmm. year, Star Wars Republic Commando. Uh, I've heard of that. You got to play as a a special forces detachment of clones and go through these missions, and that one was a ton of fun. Uh, that was also, like I said, also two thousand five. I think it was released right around the same. They they weren't released that far apart. Rogue Squadron uh, two, Rogue Leader for the GameCube back in two thousand one. The X Wing series. I mean, just there there are just countless great Star Wars games. All right, so. Um, before we run out of time here, we had a couple other things we wanted to talk about and, and we'll kind of do a shortened version tonight cause we're getting a little long, but we wanted to talk about there's, we're kind of starting to get, although it's weird. The news keeps coming out as 
uh, so-and-so cast in season two of the Mandalorian. It's like, that's kind of weird that the news is coming out like that because they're done filming it. Yeah. It's like, they keep saying though, this person has been cast in the Mandalorian season two. I'm like, they're already filmed the Mandalorian season two. That's a really weird yeah. way to, uh, to break the news. But, um, you know, of course we've got rumors about Rosario Dawson. And I think there's some things out there that call that into question, but I mean, how do you feel about a Rosario Dawson as a Sokotano? I can't think of a better casting. Um, I mean, obviously the person who actually voices, uh, Ahsoka would probably be great, but when you're thinking like live action, and this has been a fan cast for years. And yeah. one that I've always been behind. I love Rosaria Dawson and everything she, that I've seen her in. Uh, she's excellent in Daredevil, for mm -hmm. example. And I think she like I've there's so much fan art of her as Ahsoka, and it looks incredible. Like she just she looks the part so well. Yeah. And I think she'd play a really great because at the point of the time where Mandalorian takes place, this would be the oldest version of Ahsoka that we've yes. seen. Yes. So I think that she would definitely be able to pull off this more mature, wiser version of this character that is completely seasoned at that point and would just be a complete total badass. Yeah. And, uh, we went into it a good bit last week. Um, so I, Marisha and I probably won't, we won't rehash a lot of what we already said on, on Rosario Dawson. I'm all for it. I'm excited about Rosario Dawson. I think she'll do great if the rumors are true. My first choice would have been Ashley Eckstein, just because she has been that character for so long. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and like we said last week, you know, there's some perception that she's never done live action acting, which is just not true. Um, you know, she has from, from, I mean, she was a Disney child star. I mean, is where she started off, uh, on a big show. I mean, she was on, she was the kind of main protagonist or I mean, antagonist on, uh, that's so Raven, which was a long running show. Mm -hmm. So she can certainly act, but I yeah. have absolutely no problems with Rosario Dawson. Uh, fill in the role. I think she'll do amazing. I still have my doubts as to whether the rumors are true. Um, yeah, me too. And it's possible that she's in it and she's just somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. She's some other random Togruta even. Or, or, or any, I mean, she may not even be a Togruta. I mean, the thing is she's been fan cast in this role for so long. Mm -hmm. <coughs> as soon as she showed up on a Star Wars set, it would have sent these rumors. Yeah. You know, true. Mm -hmm. so other um we had another one drop yesterday and i think this one's actually a lot more believable and i cannot wait to see what she maybe who she may be playing is um is jamie lee curtis that's awesome i would i think she would fit perfectly into the mandalorian oh yeah um i mean i have no idea who she would be playing but uh um uh, you know, I mean, she could be, she could be any number of known characters, you know, characters that we already are familiar with, or she could be somebody uh -huh. new. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping maybe she turns out to be, you know, she could be honestly, you know, we've talked about the possibility of Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. We've talked about Bo-Katan and the actress who portrayed her. 
showing up. But the truth is, is that if I was going to cast an older version of... She a, wouldn't have been that much older, though. We saw Bo-Katan, like... Before... Before the original... In Rebels, right? Yeah, but Rebels is before the original trilogy. And you have at least five years. I mean, we're talking still over ten years later. Yeah. And we know... I mean, she was an adult back during the Clone Wars. Okay. So she's going to be a little older. And if I was going to cast an older version of that character, of a badass Mandalorian... Yeah. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis fits that perfectly. Yep. Yeah, that'd be... Oh, oh my God. Jamie Lee Curtis is a Mandalorian? That's perfect. And I, I have... If she's going to be anything, that's probably what my top speculation would be, is, is her being cast as a as a um, Mandalorian. That's awesome. I think she's an incredible actress. Uh, and it would fit perfectly in the world that they built. Where she has all of the energy that is required to be in this kind of world. And, and I would love to see her in the show. Yeah. Or maybe she might just, I, I would imagine also maybe she just shows up as like a one-off villain the same way that like May from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did. Right. And, that, mm-hmm. and the gunslinger. Yeah. I would have liked possible. to have seen of more of Ming-Na Wen in that, but uh, I would have liked to have seen her be a returning character. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Uh, yeah. But she was, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, she could be a one-off uh, a character, hero or villain. I mean, there's any number of things she yeah. could... You know, she There's probably going to be a ton of cameos. There were a ton of cameos in season one, yeah. um, of the different actors that would be cool to see in Star Wars, just jumping in to make an appearance. Because John Favreau has a lot of friends. Yeah, he does. Um, actually, that's one thing. Bill Burr is rumored to be back. We always thought we we thought we might see that character pop back up, and presumably, if he does, the rest of his crew will pop up there with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so seeing seeing that crew I mean that was the thing like as far as things from last season people that I want to see come back yeah I want to see I want to see that crew pop back up yeah mm-hmm. um, we also have some rumors about um, I don't know how to say his last name uh, Michael I don't know if it's Bean or Bane Bane or yeah from Terminator from the original Terminator uh, back in was that 1984 who was he in that? He was the lead. He was the lead protagonist. Oh. Kyle Reese. Yeah, Kyle Reese. Yeah. Kyle Reese. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, we're seeing. So there's rumors of him. Um, there's rumors that he's been cast in the Mandalorian season two, that he's going to show up. And again, like, you know, I mean, I can see him as some sort of ex Imperial. Yeah. Or I can see him as, I mean, he could be a Mandalorian. He could be. You could be another ex-Rebel shock trooper. Yeah, I mean, there's any a number of things you could bring him into play. I, mm-hmm. I, that's another one I'm really excited about that. Oh, yeah. I didn't even thought these could be, they could voice some droids. That's, that's true, too. Possible. Yeah. Because um, they've they're, they they've gotten some, you know, Tico Atiti um, being IG-88. And uh, so I think that that's very possible. That's a, That's another very possible thing to happen that... Lots of droid cameos. Yeah, will be seen. Yeah, but I mean, hearing. he he's an interesting one. Like, I mean, I don't think he's done a whole lot. Um, you know, lately, I mean, he still pops up and stuff from time to time, but nothing real big. But when I mean, you go back in the day, I mean, he was in Terminator. He was in Aliens. He was in the Abyss. Uh, he was in Tombstone. 
He was in The Rock. I mean, he, he's done some big mm-hmm. movies. So, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm excited to see who any of these people. I mean, and they could be playing characters where we're never going to see their face and we may not even realize it's them till later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. People voicing aliens, because hopefully we'll, you know, see more aliens. And, yeah, for sure. Right. So, I don't know. I'm excited about Mandalorian Season 2. I hope they're able... I know they were supposedly done filming, which gives me some hope that it could actually be finished on time with so many things getting delayed right now. Yeah. Um, yeah hopefully, too. since they were done with filming, they can work in small enough groups on on post-production that right. they can still get it done on time. I hope so, too, because I, I am beyond excited i loved season one uh it's one of my favorite star wars things in the past few years yeah for sure i i think that mando was a great character a really fun protagonist i like where they're going with it i think they're going to get deeper into some lore this next season and i really hope they keep up the tone i mean western in space is, is it's obviously just a western right yes right and so yes. i have no doubt they're going to keep that tone I feel like they're either going to definitely keep that tone or I could totally see them playing with something different and making the making this season like a different kind of genre, like a heist movie genre. So, you know, I have no idea. Uh, I think there's all sorts of possibilities, but I'm beyond excited to see what those will be. And any of these people that we've talked about would fit great into it. And I'm sure there's going to be tons of different cameos and people that I mean, I didn't know Bill Burr was going to be in it until I saw him, mm-hmm. so that was you know kept secret enough. So yeah, who knows who could show up? You know, really anybody could. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had all sorts of of cameos last season. Even once we knew kind of the big ones, I mean, we still had people like Amy Sedaris showing up, and mm-hmm. you know there there were lots of cameos. So I mean, who knows? I, the The sky's the limit, and I cannot wait for season two. Me as well. All right, but I think we're probably about out of time for the night. So, David, where can people find you online? Guys, you can find me online at my YouTube channel, Creative D&D. The D&D doesn't stand for Dungeons & Dragons, but if you get confused, that's okay because I do videos on that as well. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Stay underscore Creative DD. All right, Marisha, what about you? All right, you can find me in my house cooking and fighting with children about math no no online online <laughs> huh well you can find me online um i'm on twitter occasionally at uh p padawans princesses and padawans.com is my website and eventually my life will be less crazy and there will be more stuff on there i've got a couple of like costume tutorials for my my favorite star wars cosplay um that i've done for my little people and on instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans awesome and my name is andrew gore you can find me running the twitter account for this show at crew that c-r-u underscore podcast you can drop us a line at coruscant radio underground at gmail.com you can check us out on our other show the science fictionary podcast and you can find all of our content at the science and until next week may the force be with you